Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. Welcome to spring, winter, fall, and summer all in one day. <clears throat> uh, just welcome to Colorado. That's exactly right. It's our privilege to have guests from Nazarene Theological Seminary with us. Nazarene Theological Seminary is in what city? Okay, just making sure you get an A for that test. We have two guests. Uh, first, Dr. Bill Selvage is the Associate Press Professor of Intercultural Studies at the seminary. Welcome him. And then Libby Tedder is a part of the admissions process. At, I, I understand they were, they were responsible for two pies tonight. Four pies tonight, sorry. Four pies tonight. <clears throat> What you also need to know about Libby is that she was here when she was about this high because her, because her grandpa Floyd Perkins was a part of the faculty for years and years here. So, um, so she has roots, so we're glad you're back. We're glad you're back. Uh, stand with me and let's pray our prayer, shall we? Here am I, Lord. Purify me. Let's say it again. Hear my Lord, purify me. Uh, one more time. Hear my Lord, purify me. Let's pray. Make it so. Amen. I'm told that the song, that most folks know this song, we'll see. Two, three. We give you all the praise we know how to muster. We give you all the praise we know how to bring. You're worthy of more. We'll give you what we have. Thank you for working in our lives. Thank you for calling us to this place. Thank you for the grace that's made it possible for us to make it this far. We give you praise. We thank you too for our guests, for our friends, for our brother and sister in Christ. We pray that you will help us hear from you through your servant and your word because you're a great, 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 great God. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Dr. Like. It's so good to be with you tonight. You thought I was going to say that, didn't you? I mean it. Uh, there are folks here in the group tonight that we've had associations that go a long way back and I'm grateful for those and folks that I've met more recently and I'm thankful for those I'm very thankful tonight to be among people who praise the Lord and are open to what God would be saying to us and ready to do what God would ask and I realize that in our lives that when God asks Sometimes it means a lot of sacrifice. And so to be with you tonight into this worship service, to be with you on campus, is just very, very special. And I'm very grateful for it. The opportunity to represent the school that we represent is an honor for me um, for a number of reasons, mostly because of the people that God has formed there that in turn have formed my life and that God is continuing to form students that we have but also forming each of us who are faculty, staff, whatever. So I sense that we're 
we're kindred people tonight in praising the Lord, worshiping our great God, and seeking to do that that he have us to do. I was in my first pastorate just out of seminary. <clears throat> we, was in the, we were in the fall of the year, and it was uh, probably October. This was in Indiana, by the way. Uh, nice evening, Friday evening. We'd begun to clear a section of the property just to the edge that was wooded, uh, but had gotten overgrown. And we kind of started to clear it, and then some more people got involved in it. And so we thought, well, let's just make a, a whole church evening of it. And we, somebody made chili, and somebody made sandwiches, and kids were there. And it was a wonderful evening as we were just enjoying each other and clearing out the brush and seeing the progress we were made. This was in a university town, by the way. One of our grad students uh, came up sometime during the evening, close to me, and said, I want to ask you a question. He said, why are we doing this? It really was a good question because I don't think we really had stopped to think about, well, why are we doing this? You know, it's a lot of fun. We were having a good time with all of the food and a bonfire. That's when you could build a fire outside and, and neighbors didn't mind too much. But the question was, why are we doing what we're doing? It's not a bad question to ask. It's not a bad question to ask ourselves in the work of the Lord as well. Why are we doing what we're doing? The church does not have a mission, someone has said. The church is a mission. Missions is not what the church does. Missions is who the church is. Or the famous quote from Emil Brunner who said, The church exists by mission as fire exists by burning. No burning, you don't really have a fire. No mission, not sure that you really have a church. We aren't getting ready for mission when we're studying in Bible college and seminary, wherever it may be. We're not getting ready for our work, our real ministry out there someday. We are in ministry now. And so it is proper for us as we are shaped and formed in mission to once in a while before the Lord and with each other to ask ourselves, what is it? Why is it that we're doing what we do? Where did this idea of being in ministry, of being in God's mission come from? We naturally think of Jesus, don't we? Does it start with what our Lord Jesus Christ said? And oh, we respect and reverence and stand in awe of what the scripture says to us about what Jesus said. Is it because of what our Lord did? Is that where all of this begins? With what Jesus did and to have been able to be there with Jesus and with those disciples and in those crowds and to hear his teaching, to sense his love for people and even the little children who just wanted to be near him, to see him as he healed and it seemed to do it so effortlessly, to see him as he cast out demons that for most of the people it was just an impossible thing they had given up but Jesus just said to them, come out of him, be free. To be able to see what Jesus did, his compassion, his healing, setting people free. Is that where it begins? He continually told us what the Father has said, and he did exactly what the Father told him to do. Did it come out of the writings of the Apostle Paul? Perhaps the greatest missionary the church has ever known. We talk about being in ministry and being in mission. 
We certainly want to think about what the Apostle Paul said and some of the examples that he gave us as well. As vital as all of, as all of these are, we're not yet to the heart of what it means to be in mission, in ministry, in understanding what it is that God has called us to do and why we do what we do. Where then is this, this heart, this center? Well, I would invite you to look with me at uh, what God said to Abraham back in chapter 12 of Genesis. Chapter 12 of Genesis and beginning with verse 1. Would you stand with me in honor of God's word as I would read? First 11 chapters of Genesis, lot going on there, great big events and people and things. And now here we begin at the beginning of Genesis 12 where it comes down between God and one person. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household. Go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Lord, bless the reading of your word to us this evening. We ask in your name. Amen. Please be seated. What do we, why do we do what we do? We do what we do, first of all, because at the very heart of God, of who God is, Father, Son, and Spirit, God is moving. God is working. God has an idea in mind that has to do with the redemption of the whole world, of all the peoples of the world, and even of the world itself. We do what we do because God at heart is a God of mission. From the earliest pages of Scripture we read this. Not something that we just find out about at the beginning of the New Testament. From the very beginning of Genesis, we begin to read and understand that this is what God intends and that God is at work. We're most like God when we're looking outward, just like the compassionate heart of God, as he speaks to Abram, as he speaks to the prophets, as he speaks to Israel down through the Old Testament, and then especially as we come to the New Testament. We do what we do because God, missionary to the very core, invites us to participate with him in this mission. He invites us, just as he did with Abram. He said, Abram, Abram, leave all that you know, your people, your father's household, and go to the land I will show you, and I will do something with you. I will make your name great. I will give you a name. I will make you a blessing. I will give you descendants. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This seems to be a pivotal scripture. This seems to be a foundational scripture because throughout the scripture, every once in a while, they come back to this. They come back to this promise, this covenant that God made with Abram. In fact, when we get down into the New Testament, that still is confirmed by what the New Testament writers had said. In fact, if you look at 
we will not turn to it, but if you look at the very beginning of the New Testament, the very first verse, as it begins to introduce Jesus Christ, it speaks of Jesus Christ as a son, a descendant of Abraham. And then later when you get into the writings of Paul, into Galatians, and in other places, it says that we who are in Christ are heirs, we are uh, we are the descendants of Abraham and so the promise that came to Abraham comes to us and comes through us as well. So this God who is in his very core, in his very nature of who he is, a going out, a compassionate going out, seeking God, is the same one who calls us today to join him in the mission that he has of going out into the world that all the peoples of the earth may come to know and praise him and worship our Lord. The Old Testament seems to be mostly about Israel, doesn't it? But punctuated throughout are God's reminders that God's view is not just Israel. God's mission of heart is for all the peoples of the world. One of the great facts of our times here in North America, in just about any city of any size, is that you don't have to go very far to what you're in a uh, you're in another culture, you are among people of a different place. Globalization, being able to get around the world so quickly and so easily or relatively easily and it, it's almost as if you step out of your house, out of your door, cross your street and you're in another world. That's kind of a hassle sometimes, isn't it? We don't want to have to deal with the different languages. We don't have to deal with the different customs and cultures. We don't have to stop to explain. But could it be that in God's plan, as God called Abram and said that through you all the peoples of the earth will be blessed, that God is opening up for you and me, the people of God, the followers of Jesus Christ, an opportunity to be a blessing to those that God intended from the very beginning to bless. And that God intended, not just by kind of writing a message in the sky that everyone would see and say, oh yes, now I understand, but through individual people, through you and through me, as sometimes as prone to mistakes as some of us are, through some of the frailties that we have, that it is through us that God's great plan, God's great mission is going out and he calls us to come into that covenant relationship with him, to join him in his mission, so that as we go out, others, all the peoples of the earth, will be blessed through us. Why do we do what we do? We do what we do because at, because at his very heart, God is a missional God. God is a God who goes. God is a God who has in mind, in his heart, all the peoples of the world, and God is a God who calls us, invites us to join him in that mission. We don't always know what that's going to look like. Probably most of the time we don't know what that's going to look like. In fact, God does stuff. God is working on stuff. And sometimes he draws back the curtain just a little bit. And shows us what it is he's doing that he's allowed us to be a part of. We were, my wife and I were teaching at European Nazarene College, which is, as its name would imply, in Europe. And um, when we got the invitation to go there, we had never been to Europe. My family and I served with the Church of Nazarene in Hong Kong for 15 years, and so Asia was kind of our focus. 
But we had an invitation to go teach at this school the church has in Europe, right on the German-Swiss border, and we didn't know why, but it was one of those times when I just felt, we just felt clearly, this is the direction that God has for us to go. Wasn't, hasn't always been that clear, but this time it was. So we went there. I was to teach missions. My wife teach speech and communications and different things. And so we tried to do that the best we can. We'd only been there a month, six weeks. We looked out the window behind the school from our apartment and there was a group of, of Asians walking down the street and we'd been over there long enough that we thought, well now, you know, they look like they're from mainland China. We thought, but what in the world would they be doing in a little village like this? Well, we thought they're just passing through, but we kept seeing them. So finally we went out to the community to find out who are these people? What are they doing here? I mean, not like, you know, get out of town. We don't want you here, but we're interested. We're curious. Why are you here? Found out that they were from mainland China, studying German in that village, had nothing to do with the school that we were at. Well, our desire, of course, was that to help some of them take steps toward faith in Christ. And so we kind of incorporated the school into to doing some of that friendship and getting to know people and opening up to them. There were three groups like that from China who had come to that little village to learn German. And while they were there, some of them had come in contact uh, with Christ. Some of them had learned about Christ. And a couple of them had actually come to faith in Christ. The third group, there was a young man by the name of Alex from Shanghai. And he spoke a little Cantonese. We learned a little Cantonese in Hong Kong, and so we were able to talk a little bit. And by the time this third group had come, the organization that sent them had warned us, had cautioned us, that we really don't want you to try to convert them. You know, don't try to evangelize them. Be friends and all that, but just, you know, back off on that part. Well, we knew that God was bigger than that, and so we said, well, you know, we'll, we'll consider that. <laughs> to make a long and a really God-honoring story short, in that third group, this young man by the name of Alex, by this time, their teacher, who at first was suspicious of us. She didn't know who we were from anybody, and so she was kind of protective, and rightly so. By this time, she'd gotten on board with this thing that God was doing. She had started coming to the church. She had been raised in, in a Christian home, but had gotten away from it as an adult. Now she was coming back to renewing faith, and she was in the worship service. And now, when the students, new students would come, she'd say, well, why don't you come and... Uh, there are some native German-speaking students at that school. Why don't you just come on to service with me on Sunday morning and we, we can work on some of this stuff. And they came. It was either the first or the second Sunday that Alex was there, this young man from Shanghai. At the close of the service, he was speaking with one of the teachers and a student, and he said to them, he said, how do you become a Christian? Pretty good question. You know, we don't get that very often. And so they began to show him the scripture and began to talk to him. And he said, well, can I do that now? Well, they said, no, this is not the right time. <laughs> they said, sure, let us pray with you. And so they prayed with him and Alex became a believer. And his life was changed and he began to attend Bible studies and different things. And we could see the change in Alex's life. There's a lot that happened in there that I'd love to share with you sometime. But to say this... But Alex is now an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene, serving Christ, preparing for chaplaincy ministry. And what was going on, we didn't know what, was God, what God was doing. When, not because we were there, 
but because of, I think because we had been with Chinese and you know, we felt comfortable with them and so forth, he just needed someone to kind of stand at the door and open it up. He said, I've got an appointment with some people in a place that you'd never dream of. And I just need somebody to kind of stand there and just kind of, you know, be nice to them. And so we tried to do that. You don't know what God is doing around you. He shows us some of it. But if we can be faithful to the mission that God has given to us, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the struggles, in spite of the things that we, that we have to, to figure out and go through, if somehow we can understand that God is a God who at his very heart has on his heart the peoples of the world and that he gives us the opportunity in the invitation, the calling to join with him in that ministry, we don't know. In fact, we'll never know probably until we get to heaven. And God will call to us. They say, come here, I want to show you something. And he'll say, see that person over there? Yes. You recognize them? No, I don't think so. And then he'll say, but you know a certain time when this was happening and that was happening and you said something or you did something? I used that. That was part of what I was trying to do. And now here they are. It's going on like that, I think, all around us. May God help us. Why do we do what we do? Because of who God is. Because of God's mission. Because God at his heart is a God who is compassionate and reaches out to all the peoples of the world. We do what we do because God invites us to be a part of that. We do what we do because Jesus Christ came and gave himself so that this could happen. And we do what we do because we are touched to the very depths of who we are by the need and the pain and the suffering and the want of the people around us that we want so much to be healed in Christ and to be freed and to live also in this plan of God. Abram, leave what you know and trust me because I'm going to show you something. I will bless you and I will be make your name great and you'll be a blessing and all the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you in the New Testament it says that all of those who follow Jesus Christ are descendants of Abraham and heirs of the promise and that through you and through me God is fulfilling his mission of seeing the peoples of the world come to know and to praise our Lord Jesus Christ May it be so among us.